Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Thank you. Good morning. How are we doing? The, the boat's tipping. You guys feel that? This feels like the boat's tipping and we're, <laughs> we're going to make it through this. Somebody throw the anchor on this side just to kind of balance it out a little bit. Well, Josh thinks I need to add more to the Jack Frost series, so I'll just, I'll just make sure you know that I'm endorsing that we're doing this. Actually, it was Jessica's and my idea because we think it's a kind of a big deal. Um, how many of you guys know that, that knowing the love of the Father for you can be life transformational? Yeah. It's true. And not only that, but he actually loves you more than you could ever imagine. So why wouldn't you want to experience the whole thing more than you already have, right? So let's do it. And I, I do want to invite everybody to come. You can actually invite other people who don't go to Overflow to come to this as well. Um, every, everybody needs it. Um, the, I do encourage you also to buy the book. Um, I, th- I think the book was called, actually, I'll show you what, it, what the book looks like. If you look at it on Amazon, they might have changed the cover, but it looks like this. The title is just a little different than the video, but Spiritual Slavery to Sonship. It says, your destiny awaits you. Come on. You're, and check out that picture if you can see it. It's a little kid with a superhero outfit on. He's like ready to go. You guys know that kids, when they dress up like superheroes, they think they can take the whole world on, right? Well, when, when we find out what God believes about us, we're going to realize we can take on the whole world. Amen? Come on. Come on. So I do want to encourage you to come. I, I know people will probably have vacations or something that happens during that time, but be here as much as you can. You don't want to miss out if you're able to, to make that. All right, before I get into my message this morning, um, I want to take a moment and do something that I felt like God was putting in my heart. I, I felt like the Lord was telling me that he's bringing breakthroughs into homes, breakthroughs into families. Um, and, and probably there's various types of breakthroughs, but, but one particular type that I feel like I want to, I just want to speak into and release to people where it's needed is if there's someone that's in your family, whether they live with you or not, but somebody who's in your close family who uh, they're not lining up with your pursuit with God. And so there's the, there's a broken dis- a disconnection. Um, there's a, maybe a, a, sen- a sense of lack of unity with, with kingdom lifestyle, if that makes sense. Um, I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to take a moment and just pray for breakthrough into that. And so I, I just want to ask you boldly, if you, need, if you need to see some form of a breakthrough, I'm not going to have you tell us all what it is. Stand, because I, I just, I know there's a few, there has to be a few for God to have put this on my heart. All right, I, I, just, I just know that God wants to see unity be restored in, in marriages and parent and child relationships, sibling, whatever the situation is. God wants to bring breakthrough to where there's love and unity and restored connection in those places. And so if you're not standing for this for yourself, I would love for you to join me in surrounding these people and maybe lay hands on them or point your hands towards them. And I'm just going just gonna to pray over you for a moment. Lord, we believe that this is your heart to bring unity and restoration and wholeness into marriages, into families, into relationships that are meant to be close and unified that maybe are broken or, or disconnected. And so, God, I, I felt like you gave me the permission to do this. So we just release your angelic hosts into these homes right now, into these families right now in the name of Jesus to bring breakthrough. 
Wherever there's barriers that's causing people to not be yielded to Jesus or not to be bearing the fruit of Christ in these relationships, Lord, we ask you to bring breakthrough now in Jesus' name. And Lord, release your ministering angels right now in the name of Jesus. And I'm sure there are people who are not in the room right now who need this, and you know who they are. So we send those angels to them as well. Holy Spirit, we ask you to bring breakthrough in Jesus' name. Bring wholeness to homes and to families and, and unity and relational wholeness in Jesus' name. Can anybody shout amen to that? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord, and thanks for your courage to stand on that. All right, what I'm going to share with you today, um, I, I just believe that I'm about to hand out some keys to the kingdom right now. All right? So if you guys can lay hold of this stuff I'm going to release some things that some of you already know some of these things, but you can't ever get enough of the truth, all right? And there's power in it, and it, it changes lives. The, the, the topics that we're going after actually are the ones that actually can set us up to become the victorious, powerful, dynamic children of God that God's waiting to reveal to this world, amen? All right. All right, so... Uh, I want to start off by telling you a story, and I, I've got to, got to be really careful with names on this. Um, back when I was a, a young adult, that was only like 20 days ago, okay? I, I still consider myself a young adult, but I'm referring way back to like pretty, pretty soon after high school, right? Like within the next few years. I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it was when I was a youth pastor, though, at my old church. Um, there was another ministry in the region who I was, I was kind of connecting with them. Uh, with their, they had a youth ministry that's kind of an outreach type thing. It wasn't church-based. And they were doing an awesome job. And, the, and they had a few um, youth leaders that were like either seniors in high school or fresh out of school that were helping them do this thing. It was so cool. And uh, there was this one guy that I became really close to in that season um, who was one of those leaders, and he was on fire for Jesus, and he loved God, and he had a real sincere heart, and he loved people really well. And, but he also, the, the closer I got, the more I realized that he had some struggles in his life. Can you believe it? Somebody has struggles in their life, all right? And how, how many of you guys know that God is not judging you for having struggles in your life, Okay. Because he, he, he loves you and he knows it. That's why he died on that cross. Okay? But, but he also has given us the, the conquering power. Amen? In Jesus. But, but so this guy uh, had some struggles and he was working through them. He's trying to work through them. But over the, the years that I started getting to know him, um, I, I just I watched his life that he had this kind of like this dual reality of all in with Jesus but also having the struggles, okay? And so it's kind of like I'm, I'm with Jesus, and I got my spirit, and we're good, but then I got this flesh thing, and I'm struggling, but Jesus still loves me, and I still love him. I think we all understand that. So he, he knew that he was still called and stuff, and at one point I saw that his struggles started manifesting in his life with uh, that he picked up a, a smoking addiction. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just, uh, my point is that he started leaning to crutches outside of Christ. And he, he started justifying these things as, um, well, God's going to love me no matter what. He understands my struggle. All right? And so the, I, I'm knowing him longer and longer, and I'm starting to see like this dual reality where, uh, where he's loving Jesus, he's called to the ministry. But I started noticing that he started excusing sinful patterns in his life, okay? And I'm not judging the smoking thing. That was just an example. But other sinful struggles in his life. And I, I noticed that he, um, he kind of justified those things. It's kind of like he, he, didn't, he didn't think that it was a big deal because God understands, all right? 
And so I remember, I remember sitting outside of a, of a church in the parking lot with him one summer, and uh, he, he popped open his Marlboro, no big deal. I loved him. I wasn't judging him, cared about the dude. And uh, my, my dad smoked all my life, so I'm used to that. But he, start, but he started talking to me about other sins in his life, pornography and, and just different things that he, and he kind of laughed about it, though. He was kind of entering into this, this phase where he started feeling like he could get bold about it and be okay and watch to see if I'm going to give him a, re, a religious judgmental reaction or not. He kind of enjoyed kind of jabbing me a little bit to see if I'm going to react. And he, he quoted this verse out of Romans 7 that I've heard a lot of people quote who can't get over their sin problems, right? And, he, he, and this is Paul. Romans 7, 19 through 21, Paul said, <clears throat> for the, he, he's talking about a struggle that he's in, okay? For the good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I don't want to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not want to do, okay, what I will not to do or I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. And so, and he was using that scripture passage to justify that even Paul had struggles, and Paul was the one who wrote the book on grace, right? And so Paul, he, he was explaining Paul has struggles, and so there's this dual reality. Jesus saved me, and he died on the cross, extended radical grace, 100% agree with that, okay? But that Jesus also knows that I'm a fallen man, and until I die and go to heaven, I'm going ha- to carry baggage around with me that many would call the sin nature, okay? How, how many of you guys are thankful that God is radical in his grace towards you? And that he's merciful, and that he died on the cross. And the, the thing is that a lot of people have this belief system that, uh, that we've got this dual reality. He saved me, and he knows that I'm continuing to sin, but he, it's almost like his grace is covering it and making it as if it's not there, even though it actually is, okay? And, and he'll take it from me when I die in good heaven, all right? Quoting Paul. Paul. Paul is talking about this struggle that he had. That, that makes me uncomfortable, okay? And eventually, over the years, as I, I, didn't, I didn't hang out with this guy often because we, we weren't really involved with the same things too much, but we'd meet up every so often, and I, I noticed that his passion for ministry increased, but also his sexual issues increased as well. Okay, he started getting into sexual promiscuity, and he justified it as, well, the things that I don't want to do, I do. Things I want to do, I don't do, is Paul. And, the, and, and with that belief system, um, has a, a revelation, revelation, I'll put quotes around that, uh, from, from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe it is. It's either 10 or 12, I think 12, when Paul says that I had a thorn in the flesh and I asked God to take this thorn from me and three times he didn't take it from me. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so people will combine that with his struggle with Paul and they say he, he continued to struggle and so that's the, that's the sinful flesh nature that is going to continue having patterns. But God has pulled us out of that, and it's kind of like this dual thing. And we're thankful for what he did for the part that we do receive it in. Okay? You guys following with me? By the way, what I just said is not what I'm preaching. That's what some other people were preaching. All right? So... His, his attitude with this was God's grace is so big, and he loves me, and he understands my sin struggle, because Jesus was tempted in all ways. It's a sin struggle I'm not able to shake. And so 
I, I would respond to this and say that God's love and grace are way bigger than you could ever dream up. Okay? More than you know. As a matter of fact, every time you ever sin, he's standing there loving you through it all the way. Okay? But God has never been one to be known to excuse sin. Okay? Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could be okay sinning. He died on the cross to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us of our sins, and to set us free from our sins. Amen? So, you know, when people talk about the thorn in the flesh theory, that often they'll say, well, his thorn in the flesh was a, a sin addiction he couldn't shake. Or some people think it was some kind of a sickness he couldn't get rid of. But I want to tell you, those theories flush him down the toilet. Because if you read the whole story and you read the, the, the chapter prior to that and leading into it, he's actually talking about the, th the thorn in his flesh was that Satan hated everything he was called to do to bring the, the kingdom of God to shake this earth. And so he brought persecution and trials against Paul everywhere he went. And that was the thorn, okay? It wasn't sin addictions. It wasn't sicknesses or diseases. It was trials that the enemy was trying to resist him doing the kingdom of God, all right? Years later, I, I hadn't seen this guy for a long time, and we decided to get, to get together and meet up. And by this time, he'd already graduated seminary. He was wearing his priest robe with a collar on it. And he was so happy about his ministry, and he was excited to tell me that he had turned gay in the meantime, too. And so I, I don't, I'm not saying that out of a judgmental heart, but it shows you, it shows you how far things have gone, okay? <clears throat> he, he, he thought, he, as a matter of fact, he actually got to the point where he justified that, that was okay because when you when you start saying these things are okay, the enemies can start deceiving your mind and start making you believe things because you got ungrounded from truth and from healthy teaching of truth. Okay, so uh, he 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 joined a, one of the mainline denominations that has become um, liberal in their beliefs and and actually think that it's okay to be a homosexual preacher. And uh, I do want to say I I'm not casting stones because Jesus died for him even after he chose that lifestyle, just the same as he did before he chose that lifestyle. As a matter of fact, I believe that Jesus was standing there all the way through having compassion for my friend and breaking in his heart for going into places where he started picking up a false sense of identity other than the one that God had crafted for him, okay? Now, why am I saying all this? Why would I want to start off a sermon focusing on something so much of a bummer? Especially after I've been speaking a lot about that we are solutions-focused instead of problems-focused, okay? Well, I have good news for you. Things are going to get better as I progress. But the, the thing is, you've got to know what the problem is in order to find the solution to fix that problem, okay? And, and here's the problem. Here, the problem is it has nothing to do with my friend. I, I still love him. I would hang out with him again sometime. I wouldn't hang out with him a lot because I don't, that, that's a whole other story. But my, my point is that um, it's not about him. It's not even about that particular lifestyle. It's about the belief that goes back to that Romans 7 that says, I've got this inward struggle and I, I, I don't do the things that I want to do and I do the things I don't want to do. And I, it's almost, it's this mentality of I can't actually help myself. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to try really hard to not do the thing, but I know 
I'm going to eventually do it, okay, because that's my struggle that I'm allotted to, all right? It's my thorn in the flesh. Well, if you believe it's your thorn in your flesh, it will remain the thorn in your flesh, okay? Because what I've been saying is you will behave according to who you believe that you are, all right? You will behave according to who you believe that you are. That passage in Romans 7 where Paul was talking about his inward struggle where, where he did things he didn't want to do and he didn't do the things he wanted to do. I, I want to be holy. I want to, I want to live right for God, but I, I keep falling into the sins and the struggles. I, I, it's, it's this clashing, this warfare within me. Okay, And if you, if you read that passage by itself, it's going to sound like it validates that whole concept. But the Bible was not written just for you to pick little verses out and isolate them. That you actually have to step back and look at the broader picture so you can see the context of how it fits in with the whole thing that's being said. And if you read Romans 7 and the things I just said to you, because it goes even longer than that, if you read that sandwiched with Romans 6 and Romans 8, you're going to find out that Paul was not actually saying this was his current reality. It was the reality that he had back when he used to be a slave to religion. When he used to be a slave to trying to do things on his own strength back in the old day. That's where the struggle was. When I tried to be a good Christian on my own strength, guess what? I'm going to have thorns in the flesh and I will never be able to accomplish and conquer anything because I thought I could do it. But here's the deal. You can't willpower your way out of any bondage. Not on your own. But you can get right out of that bondage if you align yourself with the way that God has actually provided for you to do it. And that's what I want to talk about today. That's solutions focused. We're going to dive into the solution. You guys ready? Last week I preached an amazing message called the gift of righteousness. How many of you are in here? I was. <laughs> and guess what? The recording was a disaster. So we did not get the podcast. I'm so sorry about that. So sorry. But I, I've got to hit a couple of highlights so that we can pick up where we left off. So if you didn't hear it, you just grab a hold with everything you got with what I'm getting ready to say. Okay? In 2 Corinthians 5.21... By the way, that's just like three or four verses after it says, I've been made a new creation, and all old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When Paul was struggling in, in Romans 7, that was old creation, but it's passed away. All right? But behold, I'm a new creation. Everything has been made new. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin, it's Jesus, the sinless one, to be sin for us. Whoa. So Jesus became a substitute. He took our sins. And he became sin on the cross. Why? So that we might become not just forgiven, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. That we might, he didn't just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start considering you righteous. He said that you have become righteous. But he didn't just say you become righteous. He said you become the righteousness of God. Whoa. The righteousness of God. In Christ, he has made you the righteousness of God. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. I hope you guys brought Bibles because you need to open them up and we're going to dive in. I'm going to dive hard, okay? I think John wants to do a cannonball. All right. A couple of verses I read last week that are powerful and I want to springboard off of them. Romans 3, verses 21 and 22. It says, But now the righteousness of God, whose righteousness? 
God's righteousness. The righteousness of God apart from the law. That means apart from trying to do it on your own strength through religion. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. And I read a verse out of Deuteronomy that says that the things, it says the, the, the hidden, the, the mysteries of God, how did it say it? <laughs> the mysteries of God are for him, but the things that are revealed are for you so that you can do those things. Okay? So that anytime that God reveals himself to you, he's not just trying to show you a, a motion picture of himself. It's not just a movie. Ooh, that was a great, I, I, I loved that Avengers movie of God. No. Now, when he's revealing, he's actually doing it so that he can insert himself in that, in that way into your life. He's imparting himself through what he reveals to you so that it can become part of you and you can live from that, okay? So, so it says the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God. What righteousness? righteousness of God, all right? And, and if you remember, if you were here last week, I was talking about how do you measure God's righteousness? Is there anybody that is as righteous as God? No. no. Our, our righteousness, it says, is equal to filthy rags if we do it on our own, okay? So we look at God's righteousness, and I was talking about how, like, let's look at it on a bar graph. Like, we got, like, here I am. If, you, if I got a bar of how righteous I am, I'm doing pretty decent right here, okay? Mother Teresa, she's probably, like, way up here, all right? Bill Johnson, he might even be up there a little bit. Josh, well, if I'm here, I think he's probably actually a little higher than me. I put you lower last time, but that was sarcasm. I'll put you up there. I want to lift you up, brother. Oh, man, don't give away my sermon, dude. <laughs> but then we got God's, all right? And we got God's, and his isn't like right here, like Bill Johnson, Mother Teresa, and then God's like right here. No. No, his keeps going, and it keeps going, it keeps going. It passes the ceiling. It passes the clouds. It goes into the stratospheres, and it goes all the way to the edge of the universe, and then it keeps going. That's, that's God's righteousness, okay? Pure. There's not one speck of unrighteousness, not one little tiny speck in that whole spectrum, that whole graph. That's God. You can't, you can't touch his righteousness. But yet, it's saying, you think about his righteousness. That means, and righteousness means rightness. It means 100% right, and it means innocent. It means there's nothing out of whack. There's no shame that could ever be connected to it, okay? So you think about God's righteousness next to my meager I put myself here, but really, according to the Old Testament, when it says, our, it says our righteousness are as filthy rags, I'd actually have to put myself down in the gutter, like truly, okay? But this is saying you, took, you take God's righteousness, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith. So faith actually becomes a conduit of flow, all right? Through faith in Christ Jesus to all and on all who believe. Do we have any believers in the house? I hope so. That's how you got saved. Okay, that's how you received the gift of salvation by His grace through faith. And I think that sometimes we underestimate what we received in the salvation package. Because part of the salvation package, that free gift that was bestowed to us, that was imparted God, to himself, God himself to you, okay, through your faith, he actually is, he, he bestowed the gifts, the free gifts that you never deserved on your own. He put it into you, and he made you something way more than you ever could imagine. He included that righteousness, as your salvation free gift package. So it says that the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. If you're a believer and you've received his salvation, 
you can actually access that righteousness, and he actually he, he puts it on you. He brings you into it through Christ, and he makes that your righteousness. Not by what you've done, but by what you received of what he's done. Okay? He brought you into his righteousness. Whoa. Wow. And so now, because we talk about, you know, wanting to get into the presence of God, and the question, one question would be, like, why aren't we actually living and overflowing from it all the time? Why? Why aren't we, why aren't we having crazy encounters with heaven on a regular, daily basis? I can probably say, I'm not making this an exhaustive list, but I'm going to make it a list of two reasons. One, you probably don't want it enough, so you're not putting yourself there. Or two, you don't believe that you're worthy. But if Jesus gave you his righteousness, which is infinite in measure, he put it on you, now it's yours. To the degree that God says you have been made the righteousness of God. Wow. So when God looks at you and he wants to measure how righteous you are, it's as if he's looking in a mirror, seeing his own righteousness. That's you. It's a free gift. No, you didn't deserve it. Will you receive it? Because if you don't, it's breaking his heart because he died to give that to you. He literally paid a price to make you worthy to be able to stand in his presence where you, in and of yourself, were never going to be worthy to stand. You couldn't religion your way to that place, ever. Okay? So we are the righteousness of God in his sight. He deems you equally righteous to himself. That's crazy. That is a key to the kingdom. The more you believe that and care, okay, because you have to choose to put value on that and actually make it relevant to you, to make it something that really matters to your life, I want to tell you if it doesn't matter to your life, that's a huge bummer because you're missing out on something that Jesus paid a high price to give to you, okay? So, but, but God, he, he sees you as righteous in his sight, you who continue to believe, you who continue to keep yourself aligned with Christ and living in him, okay? We can function outside of that place and get into sin and do unrighteous activity, Okay? And repentance is what we need. Confession and asking him to cleanse us of our sins, which, by the way, we need to be rapid repenters so we don't waste time in the kingdom of God. All right? Rapid repenters. I got out of alignment from you, Lord. I started functioning in my own strength. And guess what? I, I don't last very long doing good on my own. Lord, forgive me for sinning. And, and wash me in the blood of Jesus. He brings you right back into that place. Boom. The righteousness of Christ. Wow. In other words, you're worthy. You're innocent in his sight. If you're covered under the blood of Jesus, you're innocent in his sight. And he's made you worthy. And it's not, not just worthy, but VIP invitations to come stand in his presence before the throne of God where the fullness of his glory dwells from. You have been made worthy to be presence-carrying people. Throne-dwelling children of the Most High God. He paid the price to make you able he paid the price to open the door wide and beckon you to come in. Come in, come in, my child. Come and sit on my lap. Enjoy 
the bounty of the flow of my glory and my love and my goodness for you. Isn't that crazy? Keys of the kingdom, guys. So more than God just graciously calling us righteous, like kind of like, you know, parents with their kids, like this is my little Einstein. You know he's not, actually. Come on. But you want to say it, right? Like it's not like it's not like that. God's not just saying this is my little Einstein, but He knows He's not. Okay. <laughs> this is my righteous one. We know He's not, but we're giving grace. No, it's like He's whispering over to to Gabriel. What? Look how look how much I'm gonna show grace to Mike. You're awesome. No. I'm not saying parents do that. That's not real, right? We really believe it. But God is not like that, okay? Like when he sees us, he literally, I mean literally, he sees the finished work of Jesus Christ and all that he paid for to to create us, to recreate us back into the image of God in full, spirit, soul, and body. That's what he's doing to work in, okay? In the spirit, it's already finished, And it's who God knows you to be. And so even though we might look at ourselves as, you called me Einstein, thanks. I know I'm not. I just got a D. Like, (laughs) no, no. Like when we can actually look in a mirror and see what God sees, it actually helps us step into something greater than what we thought that we were. You're actually coming into agreement with God when you can deem yourself as righteous like God is in Christ Jesus. It actually is an act of worship to him to acknowledge the work that he did has actually had effect in your life. It would be false humility to act like I suck in the spirit. All right? Like Jesus paid a high price. And he wants you to believe it and engage it and and make it become your self-declaration, your self-view. The more you can view who God sees you are, the more you can function from that reality because you're going to behave according to who you believe you are. All right? Keys of the kingdom, guys. God didn't just wash you clean. He imparted his nature into you. true. He, 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 we receive the gift of his righteousness by faith. I believe I'm righteous, Lord. I believe you forgave me when I asked you to forgive me for the last thing I did that was not, unri- that was not righteous. I believe you forgave me. I believe I'm righteous, Lord. I believe that you have given me your righteousness so much that I can that you actually see me as innocent in your sight. I believe you've imparted your nature of righteousness into me and that's my nature. That's who I am. Come on. I believe I can stand before you and have the most profound encounters with you, Lord, because you want that, and you've made me worthy. Hallelujah. And and I I declare over us in the name of Jesus that people are going to start catching hold of this in such a way that you're going to become expectant on a regular basis of God sending glory to you and you encountering him amen amen i've been reflecting a lot lately of different encounters i've had with god and his presence and how he revealed himself to me and they become milestone or mile marker i want to say milestones i don't know if that's a word they became mile marker changing memories of my life. And I declare that for people in here right now. That God's he's, he's given us something to lift us out of nominal Christian living into supernatural 
lifestyles is believing that the glory of God is waiting to manifest upon us. <laughs> In Romans 6, got somewhere I need to go here. In Romans 6, I'm going to read a few verses. Starting with verse 4, it says, Therefore we were buried with him through, his bapt- or through the baptism into death, all right? That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk, should walk in newness of life. You should walk in newness of life, okay? That says that like a, I hope you will someday. No, it's saying you actually should. Okay, you should walk in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, everybody say united, united. with his death, certainly you also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So everybody say united, united. with his resurrection. resurrection. Say it again, united, united. with his resurrection. resurrection. Come on. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin, the sinful nature, guys, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Does that sound like somebody who's saying I struggle with sin and I can't can't help myself even though I don't want to? No, no. Now, he's setting the stage with all that stuff, right? But, he, but it says we're united with him in his death. We need to also be united in the likeness of his resurrection, all right? That we've been crucified with Jesus Christ, okay? In the spirit, you, your, your old sinful nature went to the cross with Jesus Christ. And it says that the, that the body of sin might be done away with. Whoa. Done away with? Yes. Yes, done away with. What in the world does done away with mean? Greek is katargeo, and it means to be abolished, set aside, wiped out, caused to be idle, deactivated, ceased to be, discontinued, brought to an end. I like that last part the best. Brought to an end. Okay? That word katargeo is in 1 Corinthians 15 when it says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father, when he puts an end, katargeo, to all rule and authority and power. In other words, there's going to come a day when God's going to send Satan and all his, his government into hell and put an end to it. Put an end to it, katargeo. And two verses later it says in the last enemy, that will be destroyed is death. Be destroyed is death. There, there will come a time when nobody will die again. Death will be destroyed, okay? Destroyed, katargeo. The same way that God's going to destroy death and destroy and, and put an end to Satan's kingdom, I mean end. In other words, annihilated. All right? That's the same word when it says that the body of sin might be done away with, brought to an end. All right, that we may know that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Wow. If people are still struggling with sins, guess what? They don't know that they've died with Christ. Maybe, maybe they know it in part, and so in part they got other freedoms, but, but there's still struggles. You don't really know yet that you've died with Christ because you still are struggling with something as someone who hadn't died yet. Okay? <laughs> now, if we, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, everybody say, raised from the dead. Say resurrection. resurrection. What? what? 
Resurrection. Dead, resurrected. My old man died. My body of sin, the sinful nature, died. But we're, we, we were united with him in the likeness of his death. We're in the likeness of his resurrection. Whoa. So I, my old man died, and it became rendered useless. It actually became destroyed. It was buried. But when Jesus got buried, you know, he died on the cross covered in the world's sins, and he was buried. How many of you know he didn't resurrect covered in sin anymore? No, he crushed sin. He destroyed it. And he resurrected in the pure form, glorified. And so when we gave our lives to the Lord and we became born again, we literally, in the Spirit, we, we took the old sinful nature and fused it together with Jesus Christ, and it died on the cross with him. And we were buried with him through baptism. I think that the word baptism has connotation more about being fully immersed in Christ, but I do want to put it out there that if people need to get baptized, please let me know because it's very powerful and important, okay? But that's a side note. But, but then the, when we, we died with him, and Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. Why is it called the firstborn? Jesus was born again. That's sacrilegious. No, no, he led the way. He was born of Mary, but then he died, and then he was born again a second time. I'm not saying he, that he was a sinner and on his way to hell and got born again like you and me, but he, born, he was born again. He was first born from the dead. He came forth from the tomb. He was born from the tomb, all right? from the womb of the tomb. We died with Jesus. The old sinful nature was destroyed with him on the cross and buried. But we also are in union with the resurrected Christ. The firstborn from the dead, boom, he was born. He came out of the tomb. We too, in Christ, are union, are in union with Jesus if you've been born again, you've been resurrected because you were born through the womb of the tomb. Come on. New life. I'm a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. Wow. God actually means this stuff. <laughs> this isn't just nice... Buddhist word pictures. This is real. If you've been born again of the Spirit, Jesus has actually destroyed the old sinful nature. You went with Him and were buried with Him, but you were resurrected clean and pure in union with Jesus in His glorified, resurrected state. That is your spirit man. I've given you the keys of the kingdom right now. Why don't you, why don't you repeat this declaration with me? My spirit, My spirit is, in is in union with the resurrected, the resurrected. glorified Christ. Let's say it one more time. My spirit, My spirit is, in is in union with the resurrected, glorified Christ. I'm one with Jesus, and he's one with me. I'm in him, and he's in me. I became fused with Jesus. I've been crucified with Jesus. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in this flesh, this physical body, this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to tell you that more happened in your salvation experience than you have any clue, and that God has actually removed from you the sinful nature that you once had. And you are born again of the Spirit of God. That means you actually literally became a child of the Most High God. 
child of God. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. He's not a sinner. He's not a sinner. He doesn't struggle with sin. And he gave himself to you and he put his nature inside of you. And you can live from his nature from the inside out. Come on. And it goes on in verse 11. It says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves. Reckon yourselves. What does reckon mean? It means choose to believe and to declare it. I'm going to reckon myself. I'm going to change the way I was thinking about myself, and I'm going to choose to reckon myself. Okay? I'm going to reckon, you need to reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Reckon yourself. Make a conscious decision that you're going to believe it, and you're going to anchor yourself to this and not let anything make you waver. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. What if I just sinned yesterday? Well, are you going to reckon yourself to be a recent sinner? Or are you going to reckon yourself to be dead to sin? Because I didn't see a clause in here that says reckon yourself to be dead to sin unless if you sinned in recent history. It says reckon yourself to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. i got to reckon myself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Okay? Alive to God. My old sinful nature has died. i got to believe it. i got to reckon myself to that. i got to choose to believe it and partner my confession with what He has provided me. You guys doing good? Can anybody give God a praise for that? Come on. Verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves. Oh, wait. Now I have to present my... I'm not just going to reckon myself. Now I'm going to present myself. Okay? I got to choose to believe something, and now I got to choose to present myself in this way. Okay? So I'm moving past just beliefs to actually presenting. Okay? Present your, where does it say? Where am I at? <laughs> I lost my spot. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. What? What? So you're not just talking about the future resurrection when we get raptured and go to heaven? No. No, it's actually something to live from right now. Present yourself to God as though you've already been resurrected from the dead and you're living a life of purity and wholeness and vibrancy in Christ. You behave according to who you believe that you are. He did this stuff in you if you're born again. You might not believe it. Therefore, you aren't functioning from it. God's gracious, and he knows that we're on a lifelong, progressive, revelatory journey. And so he's thankful if we're walking forward in it, and he's perfecting forever us. And he's going to complete us until the day of Jesus Christ. But we're unfolding continually. The more we can come into the belief and the declaration, the reckoning and the presenting of myself to God, I can present myself as being dead to sin. It no longer is part of who I am anymore. I can present myself to God as someone who's been resurrected with Jesus Christ and I actually am living from his life from the inside out. That's my nature now. I'm a son of the Most High God. I get to live from the nature, and the nature that God put in me is actually His righteousness. I'm going to behave according to who I believe I am. And I want to tell you that, you guys have heard me say this, I've been set free from pornography addictions in the past. I know this firsthand that this stuff works. Because I came to a point, there's been many different parts of my life that's been a huge 
component to the success of that breakthrough, but the number one thing that's, been, that's given me the power of freedom in this is coming into this revelation that that's not who I am anymore. I used to think that I would struggle with this and it's going to be my thorn in the flesh and that I have lust problems and it's just kind of my lot in life, but thank God for his grace that he's overlooking that. But when I, when I came to the conclusion through the revelation by the Holy Spirit in this word, that, that the old sinful nature actually died with Jesus, and I'm not driven to do those things by who I actually really am. I, I realized I was, I, was dr- I was driven to do those things by who I thought I was. Through the belief systems of something that's not actually who I actually am. So I was partnering with an external false reality of me and I was I was sinning from that place but when I came to the revelation that died and God actually gave birth to me through the womb of the tomb and I I was birthed into the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that it's no longer I who live it's Christ who lives in me I've got a nature in me now that's pure that's holy that's free that doesn't have to keep struggling with sin anymore the more I started coming into terms with who I am, the less of a grip that stuff had on me anymore. I reckoned myself dead to sin and alive to God. Dead to lust, alive to God. Impurity. It's real. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And now I find God challenging me where I realize that there's other areas of my life that don't look like the fullness of God. And guess what? Those are areas that God wants to bring this truth into my life so I can get new breakthroughs in other places. Because when I have a period of time or a moment when I don't treat Jessica well at home or the kids well at home or wherever we're at, and then I leave feeling convicted for how I acted to them, and, the, and I, can, I can subconsciously think, well, I keep sucking at this over and over and over. That must be my problem. That, that must be who I am. And the Lord has to remind me, Jesse, that's not who you are. Because you have my nature. And because you have my nature, Jesse, you are a good husband. You are filled with humility. You are filled with peace and patience. That's your nature. And sometimes I have to remind myself, and, and, and so sometimes I go through these processes where I have to remember, i got to align myself now. i got to see how I can shift my behaviors, because we behave by who we think we are. And if I'm in that moment, I think I'm angry. I might feel angry, but that's not who I am. I can realign, and I can get in, immersed in the love of God and I can realize that's who I am in Christ. And I can flow from love. What do you need to reckon yourself with? What do you need to reckon yourself dead to? What do you need to reckon yourself alive to in Christ? Because... You also have things in your life that the Lord wants to purify and to bring you into your true identity in that you're not functioning from right now. And the Lord would, ha- would want to show you those things, not to shame you, but to help you to realize you're functioning outside of your actual true identity. Come in me. I've, got, I've put a nature in you that you're not tapping right now in that way. Align yourself so you can flow from the nature I put in you because you're a son, you're a daughter of the Most High God and you're the righteousness of God in Christ. I think I'm satisfied with that message. I think you guys should stand... And, and I want you to take a moment and I want you to ask the Lord, what have I been consciously 
or unconscious or subconsciously believing about me that's not in sync with what you know about me? What part of my life is bearing fruit that looks other than your nature? Because guess what? Whatever that thing is, as you functioning from an external reality to who you actually really are. It's functioning from a false identity. Okay? When you know who you are, God's going to transform you. And he's going to help you flow from the, outside, from the inside out in those ways. Ask him. Ask him, what, what do I need to reckon myself dead to? Because <laughs> guess what? Whatever that thing is, he took the nature of it to the cross. Okay? <laughs> it's good news. You don't actually have to be compelled to do that anymore when you know the true nature God put in you. Ask him, what do I need to reckon myself alive in? Are you, are you able to pop a little bit of soft music on the background? Yeah, that's good. Just for a moment, I want you guys to, we're just gonna go for a moment here. Uh, uh, the reason I'm putting that music on actually is partially for the atmosphere. It's also partially to um, fill the fill the silence in the room for a moment. Because I, I wanna I wanna actually encourage you right now. I, whatever the Lord's showing you, I want you to declare over yourself. I want you to declare over yourself. I reckon myself dead to this and say what it is. You don't have to let other people hear it. It's none of their business. <laughs> They got their own stuff. I reckon myself dead to whatever the virtue is that you, that you know isn't God's. And just declare it. I reckon myself dead to that. I reckon myself to have died to that. And just take a moment. Reckon yourself. Like, don't just say it, but actually believe it. I reckon that I've died to that thing. I want you to present yourself to God and to yourself as having died to that thing and it doesn't actually exist in nature in you anymore. And then I want you to start declaring over yourself, reckoning that you're alive to God and whatever the virtue is, that's God's nature that needs to replace that thing. Reckon yourself dead to that thing and alive to the right thing. Because God has resurrected you, put his resurrection in you for that. And release it, release it. I want you to receive what the Lord is showing you because he's actually releasing keys of the kingdom to people. That you can live in victory in that way. Come on. Take a moment. I don't know what's going on with that music, but that's, that felt like I need to be done. I want you to take a moment and just release it. Release the old thing to the Lord. Prophetically even, if you need to just take, like, take your hands like you're lifting that thing and you're throwing it off to Jesus on the cross because it, it died. The nature of that thing died on the cross. Just throw it to him. And then prophetically, whatever the thing is that you are reckoning yourself alive in him to, if you need to do a motion, you don't have to, but just pull it in, just receive it from God and bring it into your heart that he actually has put his nature into you. And the more you renew your mind to that, 
You'll be transformed and you will and you'll prove his will by living it's going to become transformational that'll affect your lifestyle your behaviors will catch up to your beliefs come on good word lord release keys into people right now unlock people in the name of jesus lord unlock people under the fullness of who they are freedom fullness in Jesus' name.